Okay, and we're back with another episode of Fight or Flight, Bird. A lot's happened since we last talked. We have a lot to talk about with playoffs, play-ins, awards. But before we get into all that, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty great. Um, feeling a little bit validated, a little bit mixed for some things, but I'm doing pretty good. Um, there's been a lot of things outside of the NBA that we uh, that has happened to since we last talked. I think the Grammys. Um, a lot of big things, of course, <clears throat> in the sports world. Um, people prepping for the NFL draft and such. Uh, been watching a lot of golden era TV too right now. I don't know if you've ever heard of Better Call Saul. Oh yeah, I know Better Call Saul. I watched Breaking Bad back in the day. I've never gotten around to Better Call Saul, but Ooh. everyone everyone recommends it. A must watch. I I hear some hot takes that people are saying it's uh, better than Breaking Bad. I don't know if I'd go that far, but it's definitely a good slow simmer drama that's uh, really worth your time. And the new season was on Netflix. So that's what got me hooked. Recently. I did see that Bob Odenkirk got a star on the Hollywood like walk of fame. So that was pretty cool. Um, but I mean, better than Breaking Bad. That's that's a top three show of all time. I don't agree with that take. I'm just saying that's one that's there. So, so don't make me stand behind that take. Uh, I'll stand behind other takes t- today, but that will not be uh, the one I'm standing behind. Today. You're standing behind the Better Call Saul being better than Breaking Bad or that Breaking Bad's a top three. You I'll agree? stand behind the, the top three. Okay. I'll stand okay. behind the top three. All right. So you, that's, yeah, a, that's, you, some, that's some tough, tough class though. Cause you got like, what's up there too. Sopranos is probably the other one you'll hear a lot. The Wire. The Wire, um, you Mad Men game of thrones but it didn't well stick to game landing, of thrones up so, to up to season yeah. seven yeah i mean what else westworld is pretty exciting for a second but that's not one of the best ever uh and uh i don't want to blabber it too much because i know if we talk about this we'll go on for too long but i heard the new barry will also be uh up on hbo soon too so i know that you, you and i share a huge love for uh bill Hader. very excited for barry very excited for uh, <laughs> I just got a text from my uh, roommate who uh, can hear this. He said Westworld is dead, and uh, I, I definitely um, have not watched any since the first season. But I think that's um, very culturally, uh, everybody else is doing that same thing. It seems like. Yeah, I'm very excited for Barry though. Um, I mean, I just watched Survivor, which you know, in in the realm of great TV shows, I think that is up there. Um, so if you're trying to, uh, to catch some good reality TV survivor season 42, it's been a lot of fun. RuPaul's drag race, another great reality TV show. You know, we're, we're all just, it's all happening. It's all happening. It's the spring of TV. It always is. Speaking of happening, competitive TV. I mean, the NBA playoffs, huh? (laughs) What a transition. I am very happy with NBA playoff season. It's been so much fun and we're just like two games into every series. How have you been? Have, how have you been enjoying it so far, Bird? Well, uh, you know that my two fandoms that I would classify myself in, the Milwaukee Bucks and the Denver Nuggets, both of those have gone differently than I expected, slightly, uh, and um, one uh, definitely a lot more disappointing than another. But I could predict it. But uh, I'm enjoying the playoffs, and I think your team probably is the one that's the most exciting right now that I think might be a good spot to start on. Well, I think let's take a step back here and and talk about the play-in game. So, right, I I think that goes in with that team. And, um, yeah, play-in games. We had the Timberwolves winning their championship game seven against the Clippers, and then we had the Clippers losing to the Spurs. 
And then on the other end, we have the Nets getting it done. And then the, um, wow, excuse me, the, uh, oh my gosh, the Hawks beating the, um, the Cavs to get into the playoffs as well. Mm-hmm. What was your favorite play-in game this year? Well, I think it's easy to say that the Clippers and Timberwolves game was one of the most exciting. Uh, I think that was a really good, close game. The other ones maybe weren't as tight. Uh, I think we did see, I think so far from what I've seen in the playoffs, the best performance from uh, Trey Young, though, in the play-in tournament. I don't think he's quite shown up to that level yet in the playoffs, but in the play-in, he was looking quite incredible and to the almost on par with what we saw him perform in the uh, conference finals last year. Um, so hopefully we get to see some more of that in the playoffs. But so far, I'm not seeing a whole lot of competitiveness from him. Also, another big performer, I think, in the play-in tournament was uh, Herb Jones, who I don't know if we mentioned at all from our podcast last time when we talked about defensive players. Herb Jones is uh, just playing incredibly and <laughs> honestly might be one of the best uh, perimeter defender or the, one of the best rookie perimeter defenders we've ever seen. Uh, not saying one of the best perimeter defenders, but one of the best rookie perimeter defenders. So that's like in the history of rookie seasons. I mean, yeah, I I don't know a lot of players who are so capable in terms of being a perimeter defender right away as a rookie. Uh, Who else would you put on that list? I'm just curious where your analysis is here. See, I'll, I'll be honest. I can't really think of a lot of other good players who like right off the bat were incredible at that position. So if you pressed me and brought up somebody else, I could maybe maybe be pushed, but at the same time, maybe me not being able to think of somebody also proves that Herb Jones really is that dude. So, yeah, you could look at a guy like Thibault, potentially some, you know, some of those players that came in knowing that they were going to be defensive stoppers right away, but yeah, Herb Jones has been doing a lot of good stuff. Um, all in all, do you well, feel like it's a successful play in tournament for the NBA, for the, the league at, at large this year? Oh yeah, I think anybody who uh, doesn't think that the play-in tournament is makes the NBA better is a hater at this point. I mean, come on, uh, it makes already the regular season better because of the amount of competitiveness that we have for teams who usually wouldn't be uh, concerned with it at uh, making the playoffs at all are now very much more excited. Uh, it adds a little bit of March Madness excitement to it, which I think everybody sometimes, in terms of the normal uh, basketball fans who aren't really NBA fans as much, would enjoy a little bit more matching up with more March Madness kind of stuff. Um, but also, yeah, it just allows you to see more of your teams and more fandom get to feel represented, which is great. I mean, it's it's crazy because a lot of us wouldn't have thought that the uh, New Orleans Pelicans would be making it into the, the tournament at all. But here, here goes, we have a play-in tournament and we see the New Orleans Pelicans really showing up. And uh, I mean, I mentioned one player with Herb Jones, uh, who I thought really shined, uh, some incredible defensive schemes and plays, but also Brandon Ingram, too, who's been playing incredibly outside of uh, just the play-in tournament, too, in this uh, current first-round first, first round matchup. And CJ McCollum, their pickup, has been, you know, paying dividends. That's what they got him to do, and he's helping them out make a run here. And and now, you know, they they got a game, and and we'll see what they can do. It's It's a tough task ahead of them, but you know, they got the momentum, which is what the playing tournament's all about. Yeah. Yeah. I was really surprised too, with how we've uh, seen the matchups play out. So if you don't mind uh, sticking on right now on the Pelicans Suns first round matchup a little bit right now, this is kind of a lot more interesting than uh, the two of us probably expected. Cause personally, 
I thought going into this tournament that the worst team in the playoffs was going to be the Pelicans. Um, I don't know who you might pick. Uh, we can maybe debate on that, but um, I, that's who I expected to be worse. So therefore, I think me along with everybody else is expecting a sweep. Of course, Devin Booker going down makes things a little bit different. So, uh, but still that team was so deep and so much of a next man up mentality that uh, having, though many people still say Devin Booker was the best player on that team, None of us thought that that team was then without him going to like, you know, be that much of a worse team compared to the Pelicans. So it's pretty surprising that they were able to take a game. I mean, at this point, if Devin Booker is out, who's to say they can't win one or two more. I think they could take it to seven. If you Devin Booker, his injury, he's, it's not looking good that he's going to be back in the middle of this series, at least kind of games three and four. Is Brandon Ingram the best player on the court in those games? I'm... Oh, that's a, that's a hot take. I mean, Chris Paul, one of the greatest point guards of all time. You're saying that Brandon Ingram's better than Chris Paul? I mean, you can be one of the greatest of all time and still be, you know, not what you once were. Did you see Chris Paul's game one performance? I mean, one of like the most amazing performances he's had in recent memory. Come on. I mean, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Brandon what's the Ingram. Point, what's the point total he had for the first game? It was something... You can look it up as well as I, I can, I'm pulling up the box score here, but. Um, I'm pretty sure it was like 30 something. So <laughs> Chris Paul going off. I, I don't think you, uh, I don't think, uh, however much I am high on Brandon Ingram being more impressive than he is really becoming a star. I don't think he's better than Chris Paul. So Brandon and Ingram had 37 points, 11 rebounds and nine assists last night. Mm-hmm. Chris Paul had 17 points, 14 assists, and one rebound. Both good games. I would take the 37 almost triple-double. I don't know about you. I would take the 37 almost yes. triple-double. For game two, let's, let's see the game one, though. Let's well, the, the point one. is, the point is, you know, that he proved he can take over. Devin Booker in a shortened game yesterday. It, it, it could happen. I mean, 1-1 one, one does not your argument make. Fair enough. I, I will say... Um, if this is kind of the performance that we're going to see, I think people are going to give Devin Booker a lot more consideration for MVP next year, seeing how much more he impacted the team than a lot of people would have expected. Um, I mean, we all knew Devin Booker was a great player, but we both listed off last uh, last episode some great defensive players that played for that team, uh, both DeAndre Ayton and uh, Mikhail Bridges. Um, but, I mean, none of us thought that Devin Booker was, I mean, I didn't think Devin Booker deserved to be an MVP candidate, but maybe, maybe I'm starting to rethink it a little bit now after seeing him go out and seeing how the team is about to lose to the Pelicans. Yeah. I mean, anything can happen. Obviously I, I still would take the Suns in this series and um, you know, Chris Paul is a good enough player to get it done on his own, but I think the Pelicans are really proving that they can be a force here. And I think you take this team kind of looking forward. Let's say they can get a couple wins this year. You look at a team similar to the Grizzlies than last year and say, okay, this team can generate momentum in the playoffs right now. You got um, Brandon Ingram trying to prove that he's a, he's a bona fide star. You got these players that are finding their roles, much like a Herb Jones, like you talked about. And then, you know, we will see what Zion brings, but he is exactly the piece that could propel them to the next level as oh, you look for forward. Sure. I think this definitely proves that with the addition of Zion Williamson or Zion Williams, sorry, or anybody else who gets added to that team, if he goes away and they hopefully get somebody for him, 
um, that team immediately becomes, I think, a contender in a lot of people's eyes, or at least like a strong playoff performer. Uh, so it'll be very interesting to see. Um, I guess I'm not 100% sold on them picking up another game. If I'm totally uh, honest with you right now, I'm probably still saying Suns in five because of just Monty Williams' incredible ability to adapt, I think. Uh, hope, I know it may be skeptical us seeing, uh, according to other NBA players too, who are in the media, uh, specifically um, Raja Bell, who had commented on having similar experiences to what Devin Booker was going through injury-wise. Uh, he's probably not going to be coming back this series. So therefore, I think we can expect to see the rest of this series being a Chris Paul-led Suns. I still think that Suns is still a successful enough team to really uh, take this uh, series in five, now a gentleman's sweep. I could see uh, a Suns winning in six. Uh, like I think that's what you were mentioning. My prediction though, if I'm putting one down is uh, in five. Okay. Monty Williams is, uh, I think, voted right now in the top three for coach of the year. And that's for a reason. I think his schemes definitely helped that team to uh, adjust to this new situation. I think it could go to seven. You got 1-1, and this is the same thing for the Timberwolves, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But basically, 1-1, Pelicans steal one at home. It's the best of five series with the Pelicans having home court advantage. You do 2-2-1-1-1. So now, moving forward, the Pels have three games at home. Suns have two. No Devin Booker. That changes the whole calculus of your offense. It doesn't just lose that player. The way you generate shots, the way your offense runs through a star player like that is completely thrown in flux. Monty Williams is a great coach. I totally agree with you there. He will find an answer, but, and I'm not even saying, I'm not saying the Pelicans are going to win the series. I think it's going to go to at least six because they're going to be able to find a way to exploit some of those learning curves of an offense without Devin Booker. That's just going to happen in the seven game series. I just don't think that the Pelicans are that deep enough to bring them that far, to be honest. I mean, I think in the playoffs, we always see that uh, teams that are very much ISO heavy and dependent upon one player don't always have that same success. Cough, cough Mavericks right now. I mean, when you have a really deep team, like the sons of the warriors, you have strong success. So I think the depth of the uh, sons will definitely carry them through. Well, let's stick in the West. Then we can just go right down to um, who the winner of sons Pelicans would play. And we got the uh, Mavericks and we got the jazz um, initial thoughts on that series so far. So I think everybody's commenting right now how they're surprised that uh, the Jazz didn't get the two games that they should have with uh, um, Luka Doncic being out. So that's the big thing to uh, be surprised about. Um, I don't know if I would totally make the claim, though, that the Mavericks are going to make it through simply just because uh, I don't know if the, what the timetables are specifically on Luka, but I thought that it wasn't likely he was going to be coming back until like the sixth game even. And I don't know if that's uh, enough time for them to make it through. I personally think however much hate the jazz get, I think uh, that they're enough to get, make it through that series and then probably get swept in the second. So personally, I think they're going to make it through. Do you think the jazz will make it through with a Luca list? Yeah. I think this, this game was shocking and pretty embarrassing to be honest, but I do think that in like a seven game series, I can still see, uh, the Jazz making it through, depending on if I'm if I'm wrong about that timetable, and we're seeing Luca come back in the next, like not this next game, of course, which he hasn't been confirmed for, but the one after that. If he comes back for that, then I'll say that I could see the uh, Mavericks winning it all. But if he 
comes back you winning know, it all the, <laughs> sorry not winning it all sorry winning that series. holy cow the tank is here <laughs> no i i couldn't see that but i could see them taking that series then it dep- really all depends on when luca comes back word is based on just what i'm looking at right now and again we're recording this on wednesday night um it's they're saying that they're feeling cautious opt- optimism for a game three return but of course, we have to take into account, wow. is he actually going to be himself? I don't think he'll be himself this entire series. So I would not be surprised to see the Jazz win this series as well. But the thing is, I mean, you look at the game the other night and... Even a hobbled Luka, though, is, a, I think, a great addition to that team to make them better than they are. And what if better than they are is already a team that beat the, the Jazz once. I mean, come on. That's... Yeah, that's fair. So if you let's say let's say Luca does come back and he plays well enough for the Mavs to win this this series, mm-hmm. you're the Jazz. Going into the offseason, do you blow it up? What do you do? You've run this back quite a few times now, and it's it's clearly just not gonna work. Oh, for sure. I, I definitely say that they're either losing uh and getting rid of Mitchell or they're getting rid of Gobert. Um so who personally... do you build around? If you if you were the GM, who do you build around? Well, I think the loss of Gobert would mean a lot more to that team than the loss of uh, Mitchell, which a lot of people maybe don't agree with my take on that. But uh, I think the defensive rating, I think when we talked about in our last episode, how valuable Gobert is, take him off that team. And you have no other player who really has anywhere near the defensive ability on either perimeter or interior. So I think uh, losing him, your uh, defensive rating becomes immediately one of the worst in the league. Therefore, you require a lot more work in the rebuild versus, no offense, Donovan Mitchell's incredible, but guards are a lot more easy to come by in the NBA. Guards are a lot more easy to come by. I would agree with your take that I think Gobert is more of a generational talent. And I was listening to the Mismatch podcast on The Ringer um, this week, and and Chris Vernon made a point that I think is is important to keep in mind, though, which is this whole blend uh not this uh, this whole blend rather i'd say this whole mindset of you're going to attack the jazz with a three-pointer because they can't defend in the way that other teams will be able to rotate with rudy gobert who cannot defend on the perimeter but that's because they have no other perimeter defenders so wouldn't you think the trade of uh a donovan mitchell allows you to be able to get some more assets for better defensive players to build around so they have good shooters right now but they don't really have any good like two-way players outside of, I don't know if you really even want to call Gobert a two-way player, but you really don't have any other good defensive players uh, or players who can both offensively get their shot while also doing a decent enough job on the defensive end. So therefore switching for some more role players, I think would be the move. And then hopefully in the draft, you can try to acquire another star or even get maybe a good two-way star. But yeah, so, I mean, it's good in theory to say, okay, we're going to get a two-way star in the draft. How are they going to get a two-way star in the draft? They don't have, I mean, are you saying that they're going to trade for one of those first picks? I mean, that's that's not conducive to a run right now if you're going to try to keep this contending run going with Gobert. Otherwise, you got to look for, you know, you're going to get a package of role players is a, pa- is a team of role players and Rudy Gobert good enough to win? Or is there a star out there that you can get that legitimately would be on the market that you could trade Donovan Mitchell for and have more of a two-way mentality? I mean, if you honestly think that uh, you want to immediately start contending again next year, then I guess, yeah, making this flashy move for a new star is the move. But I don't think there's going to be anybody really that's going to be that splashy move to make. 
uh, come next year. I mean, neither of us can ever really truly predict uh, who goes where, to be honest, because this is the NBA. But my heart says that that's not going to be the case. So therefore, I think you're going to have to take an L on the next year. And then with the development of some more key role players, you can definitely make a move. Because I mean, I don't think what you have keeping those two together is the move because neither of them wants to play well together on the offensive end. It seems like Gobert doesn't trust uh, Mitchell from what the reports say. And Mitchell does not trust Gobert offensively from everything we've seen on the court. He won't give him wide open passes when he has them, which makes no sense. But uh, I don't think that keeping them together is definitely the move. I know that's not what you were suggesting, but. Okay. Let's uh, let's hop down to our next Western Conference matchup here, which is Denver and Golden State. Oof, are you trying to hurt my feelings on this one? I was one gonna now? say you're you're the Denver Denver fan here. Um, why don't I just let you? Uh, what's your analysis of the series so far? Well, name another player on the Denver Nuggets who's worth their weight in gold besides uh, my man uh, Nikola Jokic, or maybe you can make the argument for Aaron Gordon name somebody else nobody I mean, else has stepped up they're all the nuggets so i guess they have a certain amount of gold just by definition <laughs> yeah, that is true that's a pun that i missed out on so good on you for catching that one so I'm but um i did like uh colin cowherd's pun that he made where uh definitely the warriors are making them look like mcnuggets so uh, respect for that one oh, but but we all love mcnuggets that's that's the thing is mcnuggets are a positive connotation True. And I think uh, we all love, well, apart from Nick Wright, we all love Nikola Jokic. And I don't think uh, that should mean any slander should come towards him from this series, just because it's like, I don't know, I don't know if I had mentioned this statistic in a previous show, but uh, this start, according to some advanced stats, there, uh, the Denver Nuggets, when Nikola Jokic is on the floor, play like a 60 win team. When he's off the, co- off the floor, they play like a 17 win team. So that's such a big drastic drop that when you're seeing him off the court, their team is definitely not as good as they are. So plus or minus two, though, I guess, for what we're seeing in the two playoff games they've played, uh, which show something otherwise. But I guess, you know, plus minus is something that you don't always want to trust with a small sample size. So I don't know if I'd fully uh, take agree with that take. I guess advanced stats always are a little bit like you really have to dig into the weeds and kind of get more of a broad view when you're really looking at them but I still think what I'm trying to say is that Nikola Jokic is still an incredible player I think what we're learning from this series is that he's not as much a floor raiser as he is a ceiling raiser so what I mean by that is that usually players who are incredible uh, like incredible players who really facilitate really well and are great um, like I don't want to say a LeBron because LeBron's also really great at getting his own shot but our great playmakers uh, they don't really do a great job at really adding to your team if who you're passing to isn't going to make the shot. It sounds like to me you're already on the defensive. You're preparing for the loss in the series. You're just trying to protect the image of your boy, Jokic. Oh, I mean, I already all knew that we were going to lose because, I mean, look at look at one of the main boys who's shining right now. We're seeing the Splash Brothers grow from two boys to three. I mean, all those boys. maybe even four. I know, I know uh, Steph Curry is a little bit more uh, man than boy, but I mean, he's got a baby face still. So, yeah, I mean, how about Jordan Poole and his ascension this year? I, he was in the G League not that long ago, and he is showing the ability to take over games. I mean, you can talk for so long about how 
culture this, culture that. But I mean, really, it, is there any way that Jordan Poole doesn't become, or, you know, is, is there any way that he becomes what he's showing that he can be right now on any other team? Like, there's just something to these players, these role players, you know, these people like Desmond Bain who get drafted late. You go to a good organization and, man, they just absolutely are able to take in the culture of these good teams. And at this point, I mean, as long as Curry and Draymond feel like they're going to, and Clay are on this team, it feels like every role player is going to be a, con, a contending type player for them. And they're just always going to be able to run it back. I, I would be absolutely terrified of this team. If Devin Booker is injured, you know, if it lingers through this postseason, I think the Warriors are easily the favorites in the West. Oh, for sure. And ignoring the um, KD years, this team has always had a history of, you know, building in the draft and stuff like that. And I think this is just adding to that history of just having another player that they develop themselves into an incredible player and a player who I think should have been recognized as a most improved player of the year. Uh, he's not on the uh, top three finalists for most improved player of the year. Unfortunately, uh, those picks are Darius Garland, John Morant and DeJounte Murray. Of those three, I'd probably give it to Darius Garland. I really hope they don't give it to John Morant. No disrespect to John Morant. But, I mean, you went from a, already a pretty great star to a pretty great star. Like, I don't think your jump was that uh, astronomically huge. I would have given it to uh, the man who we just said went, went from a decent role player to a splash brother incarnate, like the future of what uh, the Warriors franchise is going to be. So I personally would have given him the most improved player of the year. So if you're the Warriors, Poole's going to need a contract pretty soon. What are you, uh, what are you paying him? Are you going to keep him? Is he a foundational part of this team moving forward? Oh, for sure. I mean, uh, cause what are you going to have Steph develop into probably like arguably a six man of the year soon. So then you're going to keep, uh, I don't know who, who's, who's going to get, who you're going to get rid of. I'd say probably the popular decision would probably be James Wiseman though. You need some size, but We'll see how much longer uh, we can have uh, Draymond Green stay at an incredible defensive force. I think he still is. Uh, we didn't have him in our lists, but I, don't, I think we all can still agree that uh, peak Draymond is still a top three defender in the league. So if he still is who we all want him to be, I say keep him as well and try to have him as the center role, which is what he's been playing in the playoffs and still doing incredible, even against big people like Nikola Jokic. Um, yeah, that would be my take. Should we get to uh, Timberwolves Grizzlies? Why not? Well, I want to hear actually. So in this Timberwolves Grizzly thing, I want to kind of focus you a little bit here. So yeah, we all know this is being incredible. And we all know that uh, there's three players for specifically that we really want to love and focus on for the Timberwolves. One of them specifically who's getting a lot of love is uh, Anthony Edwards. And I want to know from what you've seen, what do you believe the future is with Anthony Edwards? What do you think right now? If you had to, I know it's early, but I don't care. What peak do you see for Anthony Edwards? And how do you think your franchise will treat him? And what do you think they should do for him? Well, okay. That's a different, it's a, it's a question that kind of, you kind of threw in at the end there. Um, Anthony Edwards, this dude has, so much swagger, so much killer instinct, so much hilarity in genuine, just absolute 
no filter. I'm going to say what's on my mind in everything that he does. I just don't know how you can't love him to start off with. I, I love this player. He is exactly what the Timberwolves needed. A culture of losing. He couldn't give less of a damn that the Timberwolves hadn't been to the playoffs since basically 2004, and I counted the Jimmy Butler a year. He didn't care that, you know, players like Cat and after the Jimmy Butler saga had been seen as soft and there was a, a modern reputation as well as the, the franchise long reputation. He didn't care about any of that. He is such a culture changer. And I think that's intrinsically linked with what he can be as a player because he has the that confidence, that swagger extends to his, his game on the floor. He absolutely, if you asked him, he'd say he's the best player in the NBA. He, he knows that he has unlimited potential. I'm not saying he's going to be the best player in the NBA by any means, but all NBA absolutely within the possibility for him. He has improved so much this year versus last year. He has, it's almost like a decision for him. It's like, if he just like makes a decision, like, oh, lights are bright. I'm going to be better. He can just turn it on like that. And I've never quite seen that level of talent with a player. Cat is still the most talented player on the team, but we know what Cat is at this point. Cat is a terrific number two on a team. He can, you know, score from anywhere on the half court. He can have a lot of boneheaded fouls, you know, if he's going to, um, you know, he's going to get in his head too. Whereas Ant, I'm not sure. Ant as a number one, he can, he can literally take over games. And um, can he be a I'm, top player in the league? You seem to be very conservative. Absolutely. No, he, he, he can be a top player in the league. I think he can easily be a top, top 10 player in the league within the next one or two years. He, I mean, he can, I'm not saying he will be, but he can. And I, I, his potential genuinely is unlimited. I, there's no way the wolves would trade him for anything short of an absolute superstar. I, I just don't think they would trade him. Um, he is, he is that dude had a bad game last night. You know, it's, it's important to put all this in context. There was a lot of hype after game one, you know, there's a lot of cooling off after game two, the Grizzlies really took it to the wolves last night, but you know, if we're, kind of trying to frame what this means going forward. We've talked about this in the context of some of these other matchups. Anthony Edwards has every right to be getting some of the praise that he's getting right now. And, um, and just unlimited potential. I just, I, I think the wolves will go as far as Ant takes them. And that, that can be really high. It can be really high. So what does your franchise do with him? So you have a core of anything, three, he wants. three guys right now, anything he wants. Do, do you keep all three stars together uh, and try to, keep going with that or do you develop around Anthony Edwards maybe try to get rid of one of them for some more key role players and kind of build the depth of your team versus I mean a lot of people are kind of ripping on Cat right now they think in that his playoff performances aren't great and he's a very inconsistent player I mean now nah, ripping on Cat is a bad take you know so I the, not to cut you off but I think what you you're kind of putting out in my opinion a false narrative that they have to do one or oh. the other I it, it can be both you can build around ants. You can give They're going to give him a max contract. He's going to, he's going to get a max contract. You can keep the core right now and keep developing these players because what they have are good role players. You know, the, the big question they're going to have to ask themselves is D'Lo, Will he take less than a max contract when he's up for his next deal? And you know, what, 
how does he settle into his role as a third, the third best player on the team? As a third best player on the team, D'Lo is pretty, pretty damn good. You're not going to do a lot better than a player like D'Lo as your third best player. But then you, you talk about role players. How do they fit the system around? That's where these guys that they're, that they are developing. You, you know, you start to hear about guys like Jared Vanderbilt. Jared Vanderbilt wasn't a name well known to anyone, but he, as we mentioned in our last episode, he's a hustle guy. He developed a niche. You look at Jaden McDaniels. Jaden McDaniels, late first round pick two years ago, thin as a rail, but he's a two way player. He can hit, he can hit a knockdown three. He can guard pretty much anyone on the other side. We put him on PG in the in the playing game. You look at um, a guy like Malik Beasley. He said, all right, I'm a flamethrower. That's what I am, you know, and I can hustle on defense and they're figuring out these roles. So I think you can both develop around Ant as a star. He can have that mentality and you can empower these other, you know, players on the team to find a role. Like that's, that's what you do. So I, I don't think the Wolves need to change up anything. It, the only thing I'd say right now, I think you, you keep Cat. Cat, he doesn't, he doesn't mind being a number two cat cat doesn't really like like the limelight you know ever since the jimmy butler saga he's he's not that guy that's going to be you know i'm taking all the praise i'm the guy look at me he wants he's going to play on the court he's going to do what he can because he can change games and he knows that but to take it back to the team ant will be the number one guy if this team becomes an actual championship contender in the future and that's just how it has to be seen i think everything you're building towards in this team if you're the gm top down is saying this team, the vision of success is Ant taking that next step to stardom next year, full stardom. And, um, you know, whether or not they win this series, it's gonna be a fun series. We can get into that, but I think we've, uh, you know, we want to win at least one more game to, to show that we can contend with the best teams. But I think, um, we, we have a launching pad here for a lot of success moving forward. And I don't think there needs to be drastic changes. So two-party question. It sounds like you already answered one of them. Do you see them getting out of this series? And if not, you you think they should run it back with the same core then still? Uh, I totally can see them getting out of this series. I wouldn't put them as a favorite. I'd put it about 60, 40. You know, it's the same thing I said with the Pelicans, um, that it's it's a home, it's a, it's a five-game series, and the Wolves have home court advantage now. So Target Center is going to be rocking. We haven't seen Target Center in a playoff atmosphere in a long time. It'll be interesting to see what that looks like. but. It was rocking in the play, and that's for sure. So if it's anything like that, you guys will have a nice home court advantage if you have a good representation again like that. But, I, I mean, I could talk about the Wolves all day. I, I got to give the Grizzlies some some props. They they looked really good. And honestly, I don't even think they looked like anyone was that outstanding. Um, John Moran bounced, bounced back, too, as well after a, ja is a star. performance. But, yeah. John ja is a star. There's no question about it. Things he can do in the air are just, you know, borderline Olympic gymnast acrobatic. Like, it's unreal. Um, Desmond Bain hasn't gone off yet. Like they got, they got shooters that still are, are kind of hiding in the, in the wings a little bit, but you know, their bench is so deep, you know, last night they, um, they played Xavier Tillman because cat was kind of killing Steven Adams. And, uh, I think the removal of Steven Adams was a big change too. Yeah, that was big. That was big. I, you know, if they can guard uh, more on the perimeter with, uh, with the guys and also get cat in foul trouble, it's just a, no way the wolves are going to win. So Props to the Grizzlies. They look they look really good. I think they're they're just getting good shots as well. Like that's the thing. They're they're just you look at their offense, you look at what Taylor Jenkins has done I, as a system. I don't know if the Wolves can overcome them. I'll be rooting for it the whole way, but um Grizzlies look really good and uh and they definitely deserve their two seed. No question about that.
What's the next matchup we want to look at there, Seamus? Yeah, so we're going on to let's go to the top of the Eastern Conference here. Um, should we just start with uh, Heat Hawks? I think everybody's thinking the Heat's looking pretty good after this. I mean, a lot of that stuff of the depth you were talking about uh, with the Grizzlies is very much the same that we're seeing with the Heat. I think the Heat's an incredibly deep team. We're seeing Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero really going off and having incredible performances in this playoff series. And I guess I'll give him props because I know you'll be less likely to want to do so. But Jimmy Butler is also having incredible performances and looking like that dude again. Uh, much unlike the year that we had seen against the the Bucks in the first round sweep, uh, he is definitely showing up. I think it's a much obviously weaker team defensively. Uh, so we'll see if he can do that again against a much better team. But I think all of us see this team winning. And honestly, too, if they have to fight against their next round matchup, which is very much likely the 76ers, I'm taking them too against the 76ers. Yeah, I don't I don't see the Hawks being able to do anything here. Maybe they steal one at home, but this is going to be a pretty quick series. I'm more concerned about what the heck is Kyle Lowry doing out on the court? Have you seen this dude? I haven't really been hearing about him as much. He seems like he's shrinking, to be honest. I haven't seen any incredible performances. It seems like it's very much like, why are we paying this man for not a whole lot of defense and not a whole lot of offense? Last night, this dude, I think it was DeAndre Hunter. It basically, the, the Heat were almost, I think they were pretty much in half court at this point. And he and DeAndre Hunter were like the last two getting back at DeAndre Hunter being on him. And he's just like running into basically just running into DeAndre Hunter, just like to try to draw a foul. And it just looks like he's flopping like halfway down this court. He's like a fish just going down this whole court. So I don't know. I've been really turned off by his, his performances and his, um, you know, antics this whole series. He mm-hmm. kind of like dove at the legs. I want to say maybe of Trey young um, in the first game. So Kyle Lowry is is um, kind of a problem out there on the court right now. But as far as the games, you know, I don't I don't see much much really here. Um, you know, Bogdanovich had a great game off the bench for for the Hawks the other day, but you know, you can't you're not going to be able to count on twelve of eighteen shooting. So it's very uh, much like we were discussing with the Mavericks, in my opinion, uh, a team that's very much focused on one player. You're not really going to get very far in the playoffs, in my opinion, unless you're having like one of the greatest players of all time. I mean. Look at historically in the past, however many five or so years, the last team I can think of that was a very much dependent on one one player was uh, the Cavs with LeBron, and every other season than that was a very deep team that was taking championships. So, I don't think any of these teams right now have arguably a poss- possibly maybe one or two, but I don't think the two teams that we brought up, both the Mavs or the uh, or or Trey Young. Either of those teams, both Luca or Trey, I don't think either of them are good enough of a player to really drag your team to a championship. I'm sorry. Yeah, you know, maybe, maybe. Well, I mean, it reminds Luka's, me of you don't Houston. think Luca's good enough to drag a team to a championship. I think I I think of both of them very similar to the way I think of Harden, and Harden was not able to do it for all his years, and the best chance he ever had was when he had another player with him like Chris Paul. Yeah, but are, think, you th- are you thinking of them that way because they're just like a lone, basically the lone good player on their team? I mean, not good player, but star player. But their style of play is so similar. Both of them are very much like ball dominant, and the amount of possessions that are that go through them is just absurd. And they're they're just the whole identity of that team for both these teams. And I think that, like I said, the best chance that uh, the Rockets ever had was when they added on Chris Paul. So. I think either of those players, if they really want to have a good, strong uh, 
like performance and showing in the playoffs. They need to have another guy. But I think you can still win if you have an offensive identity around one player and they're ball dominant. I think you look no further than the Bucks. It's not the same play style in how there's they- a lot more depth there than there was for any of these other teams we're referencing. Sure, but your argument is about the player. So if Luca gets more depth, then he could be able to do it potentially. Yeah, that's but that's what I'm saying. Like, I think adding the depth. So for that instance, the depth really was more of a top-heavy kind of depth with Chris Paul, but. I think either of these teams, they don't really have a deep bench and they don't have really great starting five around their players. So I think that's also looking at the Denver Nuggets. I that's mostly because of injury, but a player who or a team that's dependent upon one player, it's really hard for that player to really take them too far unless they're arguably one of the greatest players of all time, LeBron James. I think Luca could get there. Trey, I, I, am, I understand your skepticism, but he almost did it last year. So who, who's to say? Who's to say? Um, yeah, but they had much better. Go ahead. So, sorry, I just, I just wanted to say that last year was a, pretty different because the defensive abilities we were seeing from all those players is not something we've seen this year for some reason. I don't know if I can really truly say. Uh, I mean, looking at John Collins, we're not really seeing him play the way he was before. Uh, it's really tough to say, but I don't think they're the same team, even though the roster may not have changed drastically. Yeah, you know, it's going to take a little bit of development for them to get back where they were. I think I think that's that's definitely true. Um, all right, so let's go then to our 2-7 game, which in this conference is the best matchup of these entire playoffs. Can we, can we say that? I mean, it's the one going on right now that, uh, so I guess in full disclosure for everybody else, we're recording right now on 420. Woo. Um, but uh, yeah, there's the Celtics game going on right now. And uh the first, I mean, the first game already was an incredibly entertaining performance. And I don't think this second one is, has been any different from what I've been able to catch so far as well. So while we were recording, Bird, the Celtics did take the game. 114-107, 2 series lead. 114 to what? 114 to 107. Okay, so it's a little bit more of a gap than the previous game when you had a game winner. I think that was... Jason Tatum's first game winner ever, uh, by the way, too, on uh, in game one, uh, buzzer beater game winner. I mean, so Tatum's and, already been a star, though. I feel like even though he hasn't had a game winner, he's been a star. I so I've heard some people saying like this is a star moment, but I think I think he's been that. You know, um, just so you get, you get some of the information here. So Tatum had 19 tonight. All of the starters for the Celtics were in double digits points. Um, Tatum with 19, Horford 16, Tice 15, Smart 12. Jalen Brown at 22, um, KD at 27. Um, KD definitely bounced back from what I uh, from what I was able to see. He bounced back from his poor performance last game. So Celtics 2-0 lead here. We're going to go back to Brooklyn. They've both been good games. Do you see this going to seven, or do you think the Celtics now with a 2-0 lead can are going to put this away relatively quickly? Really depends, I guess, on our two X, X factor guys. Uh, I think in our game one, we were seeing that uh, Brooklyn had a lot more depth than we were anticipating. I think uh, certain players definitely were stepping up in the game one. Game two, I guess I can't really claim to say as much uh, as I didn't really get to watch all of it. But I think that they'd still be able to take another game. I think it could be a game six, but I think definitely them uh, the Celtics taking this next game too. I I think I'm pretty confident with saying the Celtics will be taking this one too. I think or I'm this, pretty this confident. Series. 
and saying the Celtics are going to take this no more than six games and they are going to be the Eastern Conference representative in the finals. Ouch. Okay. Okay. So you, you're taking the Celtics over the Bucks as well. Taking or the Celtics the, or over the, heat, the Bucks. Or the yeah. Heat. So I, I think, guess really we should say, because um, this, this matchup would be, I guess, against the uh, Bucks or the Bulls, correct? Yes. So it would be the 2-7 games. It would be against the 3-6, which is the, um, yeah, the Bulls and the Bucks, which would be the Bucks. We all know that. Okay. Yep. That would be a great series. That would be a great series. But I, across the board, the Celtics team is just working at a different, on a different level. So before we get into that series, because that's a whole other can of worms, let's break down why you don't think that the Nets can can take this. Because, I mean, all the big media members are all still taking Nets as their, their team. They're all still super confident. I mean, you have Kyrie Irving performing at an incredible level in game one, Kevin Durant not doing so. Uh, you don't think if those two synchronized uh, their performances a little bit better, they'd have more success and be able to carry that through or I mean I mean certainly they'd have more success but I just don't think you can have off games against the Celtics I think they're just that good to both ways that their shots aren't falling their defense is still going to be there you're, you're just not going to find the Celtics ever on an off day I I mean yeah when you were reading off that box score everybody was getting uh, points. and there were there was two how many how many how many had double digits yeah there were seven I believe let me pull it seven up with again. double digits seven with double they had an eight-man rotation and seven of them scored double digits that's absurd absurd wow. and this is they're doing this without um robert williams yeah with the inclusion of time lord when when uh, do you know the timetable on when he's coming back i think I they were saying second or third series if they if they make it that far last or, i, I heard i think that's that's game. what i've heard as well so you know that'll only improve the team um you know tice is kind of filling in right now and seven of nine you know six boards you know he did have five fouls so it might have a little bit of of trouble looks like he was the worst plus minus but you know again all these stats small sample size as a team they're just humming right now i i don't see a situation in which they're going to lose a seven game series in this eastern conference well i guess i feel worse about saying this thing now since i feel more like piling on because i was expecting you to be i guess giving a little more respect to the nets but uh one thing i've kind of noticed is that everybody doesn't seem to want to bring that same energy when KD has a bad game as a lot of other players. We all hype up and get very excited when KD has a great game, but I just never seem to see that same amount of uh, vitriol come when we see poor performances like very often from KD. And I think that first game was one of them where I did not hear a whole lot of people bring up, Oh, KD had like a bad game. Like that was a poor performance that we should say they were, they were always just, Oh, he'll have that next game. I don't hear that with every other star, it seems like. And it's kind of a little odd. Well, it's because Katie's earned it. He's one of the greatest of all time. He's one of the top three players of the last decade. I don't know. I don't, I, I would say Steph Curry's in that same camp, right? I don't Curry, think he's I one hear of the three people. Same... I'd say he, he LeBron and, and KD are the best three players of the last decade. I feel like I see it more from uh, KD than I do with others where it's just like, we don't even say that he had a bad game. Like LeBron gets a lot of flack for having a bad game. Katie doesn't have that same amount of flack when he has a bad game. They're just like, Oh, Katie will have a good one on the next one. I don't I think, think I hear as much about poor performances from KD. Like LeBron got it way worse. The thing with KD is he's just known to be such a good scorer that it's never in doubt. Like the thing that makes him so, good is but i'm that not even is... saying that we should doubt it 
because uh, I mean, obviously, well, we all think LeBron's that dude, but shouldn't we say, wow, that was a really poor performance instead of like, you know, it, I just don't feel like there's any acknowledgement of a poor performance by KD like there is for LeBron or any of the other bigs like Steph Curry. Maybe that's true. Maybe that isn't. Honestly, I don't particularly care what the talking heads say. If we want to say it right now, I mean, KD was four of 17 tonight. He had 27 points, but 18 of those are free throws. Five fouls, six turnovers. He did not have a good game tonight. He needs to play better if they're going to have a chance in this series. But, you know, we, I, you just have to look at it in terms of team basketball. And, and KD, is, you always have to anticipate that he's going to be the purest scorer in the NBA. And because of that, you know, because of that stroke, he's, he's always going to be a factor. Like, you literally can't take away how good of a scorer he is. I mean, it's really crazy because I uh, we didn't really get to have a comment for the first game, but that first game I really kind of wanted to mention how Kyrie Irving was really has really been that dude, and uh, I know we kind of ripped on him, or I don't want to say we because it really was me. I'll be honest for the last episode, uh, not giving him fully his flowers. I think Kyrie Irving deserves all the respect in the world for his game one performance, which was incredible. Yeah, I can't believe you'd take Middleton over him starting a team. That's just an asinine take. Let's let's see how much. I mean, you're already taking the Nets not going far enough. So that's true. That's true. But I'm having loses the same team. I'd have Middleton lose to. But let's digress here. So let's go on to the Bucks and Middleton. And uh, we got the Bulls. I mean, uh, this is a formality. I, I really, I really have no interest in this series whatsoever. Really? I mean, the Bucks are currently uh, down thirty to thirty-one, <laughs> and that's fine. I, I still think they'll win tonight. If they don't, you know, it might be a gentleman sweep. I think you're, I was expecting some more hate after that first game. Cause I was about to hear to defend that first game performance. I mean, nobody thought that that game should have been as close as it was. Everybody was predicting the bucks to be pretty handedly dealing with the, uh, the bulls at this point, but that game one performance, I think was a lot tighter than everybody was expecting. Yeah, you have that performance, and you know, by no means did the Bulls play well in that game. You know, I would disagree on the uh, defensive end. That was one of the best uh, defensive performances I've seen against Giannis by them all year. That's Uh, fair. That's a system thing. I mean, you just have you have guys like DeRozan going six of twenty-five. I mean, that's as he said, that's not going to happen. But on the Mm -hmm. on the flip side, you have um, you know the Bucks. Middleton went four of 13 in the first game. You know, you got holiday going six of 16 and you know, you got a lot of turn, a ton of turnovers, 21 turnovers as a team. That's just, that's just not going to be the bucks. They're not going to turn over the ball like that. They'll adjust, mm-hmm. you know, the bulls might've taken them a little bit by, by surprise in the first game they've had to play, um, you know, uh, some, some, I think they, they kind of want to prove some themselves because they've, they've been kind of um, put down on the, on the national spotlight recently. So I think from their perspective, they really wanted to come out, but if I can talk about my team, if I can talk about my team a little bit too, I think one thing that's been proven to be historically uh, true for the bucks is that they're poor performers out the gate, usually in series. I mean, when we looked at uh, game one against what was a sweep with Miami, uh, that was an incredibly close and exciting game for game one. And then it ended up being of course a sweep. Uh, and then when we when we look at more of the higher end games, when we looked at the finals, Bucks definitely lost uh, first two games, but then came back, of course, to win in four, and then Bucks in six became true. So I think 
it kind of just goes along with the history that Bucks is always a team that takes a little bit longer to get going than other teams. So even with that poor performance of the startup, the Bucks, I think, will usually get heated more. Like you said, both teams, I think, had a horrible shooting night. It seemed like uh, Middleton, of course, was one, uh, Andrew Holiday were both those guys that I don't think showed up. And it was definitely very much Giannis carrying the offensive uh, load in that game, along with Brooke Lopez as well. Sorry, I should uh, recommend or recognize Brooke Lopez as well. Um, and I guess I did give him a little bit of slander in one of our previous shows. So Brooke Lopez is definitely coming back better than I was expecting him to uh, come back from his injury. So, I mean, already in the regular season, he was doing very well. But a playoff performance like that, excuse me, definitely shows that Brooke Lopez is still a very valuable member to that team. Should we go to our last matchup here? Sure. Uh, there's nothing more you don't think to say about uh, the team that you just thought was going to lose to the Celtics, or is that oh, something we want to talk about down the road? Know, we can talk about that in the future. I, I think the Bucs are, are a fantastic team. I, I, I'm not saying anything about the Bucs in that either. I'm just saying the Celtics. You know, if the Bulls can I mean, find a way defensively. I, think, I mean, I, I, mean I, I, I want to give the Celtics their due because I, I am very high on them. Um, you know, we'll we'll see how the Bucs come out of this, this Bulls series, and maybe they'll change my mind. I don't want to you know, speculate on um, too much on the series, but I, I do think the Celtics would be my favorite if that were to come come to be. Before we go into this last matchup, I do want to kind of fight you a little bit just because who do you think is the best player in the league right now? Because I think both of us can say it's not LeBron anymore. And I think usually the players who are like the dude uh, when you have in finals are usually the ones that take it and win it. And I think, I know I'm slightly biased, but I think Giannis has definitely proved with his 50-piece performance in the finals and his continual uh, amount of like consistent play that he is one of the greatest players of all time already, and I'd say um, probably the best player in the league right now. Do you disagree with that? Uh, and who do you take instead if, if you do? I mean, I'm just curious, if because if you agree with me, why would you take the Celtics over them? Okay, you asked like three questions in one there, but like I think I'd say Nikola Jokic is the best player in the NBA right now. I think Giannis is top three. I don't, I don't have a list off the top of my head, but Giannis absolutely can do everything you're saying. I'm not disagreeing with that, but I also think the Celtics can do that, and I think the Celtics are better defensively. I think Jason Tatum can also go off for 50 or 60, and, you know, I mean – he is that type of dude as well. And I think Jalen Brown is better than any other player on the Bucks, not counting Giannis. And I think their defense is better than the, than the Bucks defense. So they'll be better so equipped you, to shut down Giannis. You're also taking uh, Jalen Brown over Chris Middleton too, is what you're saying. Yes. Wow. I don't agree with that take at all. Um, I know obviously that's not a surprise hearing from what my take when I was talking about comparing him to Kyrie Irving, but I think that's a lot of disrespect towards all the things that Chris Middleton has done in the playoffs previously. He's had some incredible performances. I think a much better comparison for a level that I'd want to give uh, Jason or Jalen Brown, Jalen Brown. I would, I would compare a lot closer to a uh, um, sorry. Drew holiday would be a better comparison. It, and I mean, Chris Middleton definitely, I think is closer to a match to Jason Tatum level player you think chris middleton and jason tatum are the same level player i don't think that they're far apart i would easily take jason tatum over him but i don't think that their their gap is as wide as the gap would be between jalen brown 
and uh, and Chris Middleton. Hard disagree. Tatum is closer to Giannis as a player than he is to, to Middleton. So how are you, you're putting him in the top ten? Then I assume I he's borderline. Yeah. So he's borderline. Borderline would, top ten. Yeah. I mean Middleton's like a thirty to 20. forty player. He's not a top twenty player. Then how come? Every other player in the NBA also values Milton so highly. I mean, the fans don't like him, but the reason he gets all these votes always for all-star uh, is always because of the uh, the actual players that he plays with voting him as one of these. Because he's the perfect fit for the players he plays with. That's why they love him. Wouldn't that then therefore mean being a perfect fit, being to know your role and do it so well? I, I'm not saying Milton's a bad player. I'm just saying that if you if you want someone who's going to take over a game. He's not that guy. He fits perfectly in the system with Giannis. I think there was definitely several playoff performances that we saw last year where Giannis may not have been uh, performing incredible or in injuries. And then you see uh, Chris Middleton step up and really have a Chris Middleton game. I mean, why do you think we had the whole dumb narrative before where Chris Middleton is the Batman and Giannis is the Robin. Like it was because of incredible performances we'd see by him closing games. Yeah. I mean, he, again, he does those things, but Tatum, you know, he is a star and I don't think Middleton is a star. I think it just comes down to that. That's just just, because he's more flashy though. I don't think flash always means points. Well, why is he more flashy? Because he scores more points and because he does more on the on offense. And does it on the other end as well. And also don't let make me get into this can of worms of I don't want to hate on one of my favorite players of all time with uh Nikola Jokic and disagree with you that he is not a number one the number one player in the in the league because like I just said, the, he's incredible, but I don't think he can take over a game like Giannis can. I mean he's a great scorer but i think he's going to consistently give you 30s and 40s while also doing a bunch of other stuff but when he's needed for like just being a pure scorer i don't think he has that pure score in him like i don't think he's gonna i don't think it he has it in him to drop a, a 60 point or 50 point game yeah but we've also I, I think i can, I can does i think i can see that from from Giannis or kd or steph and i think they can also do a decent amount of creating not as good as him but do you see can... a 60 point game from Middleton? Could no, you, that's, could that, is, that is not, that is not what I was uh, saying at all. No, I'm just going off of the fact that you had said he was the best player in the league. I don't think Chris Middleton is anywhere close to the best player in the league. Don't try to mince my words there. No, no, no. But I'm going back to the argument we were just having that Middleton, I mean, Tatum can and has done that. I'm pretty sure there's been some performances too by Chris Middleton also in that same ballpark. I don't have the stats on me, but if you want to pause, we can. No, we we'll, we can move on. We we probably belabored this point here, but um, we'll we'll save this for when when this matchup happens, which I believe it will in the second round. Um, let's move on to our last one here: Philadelphia and Toronto. Tyrese Maxey playing very well. Um, arguably playing better than Harden. However, um. You know, you got the Raptors right now as it stands. They are playing currently. And, and it's a tie game. It's a tie game with 27 seconds left in the quarter. So a big judgment on what's going to happen, I think, is uh, is about to happen here. But ultimately, I uh, 
I think the Sixers take this this series, and I, I I think the Raptors will give it a good effort, but I'm I'm not I'm not really feeling um, a Raptors advancement here. What do you, what about you? I'm feeling a Raptors win tonight, though I think I'm taking uh, the 76ers as well. But I think the 76ers did more to, to make me not like them this series than like them. It was more of just uh, being unimpressed by the Raptors than being impressed by the 76ers. I think uh, James Harden has continued to be a poor performer and not really show up when his team needs him. I think uh, the first two games, despite them being 76ers dubs, I don't want to give a whole lot of credit to James Harden. I mean, the man did not have incredible performances and either in my opinion for a James Harden, they were good performances, but he's James Harden. This is a player that we all hype up as being one of the best offensive talents in the league. I don't think he is that anymore. Like I said, in our last show, and I think I was proven right with our first two episodes. Tyrese Maxey was the one who really ste- stepped up to really help Joel Embiid carry this team to those two dubs. Yeah. Um, we obviously are awaiting. It looks like it's going to overtime based on what I'm seeing here. So we'll, we'll see exactly what happens. Um, but yeah, props to the Raptors and, and Siakam, you know, for, for doing their best. But yeah, I don't, I don't see. You don't, you don't see another there. incredible shot uh, over um Embiid in his near future I don't think we're gonna get another another series quite like that unfortunately so that brings us to the end of our matchups here um very briefly we did talk about there were some awards finalists um obviously Marcus Smart did win defensive player of the year we have had him in our top top six defensive players of the year last uh, episode as well so we did it's you know good to see one of those perimeter defenders um getting the uh, the nod there outside of that we did get our um mvp no surprise there in the three that were um you know put as a finalist rookie of the year mobley barnes and cunningham six man hero cam johnson and kevin love coach of the year monty williams eric spolster and taylor jenkins most improved darius garland deontay murray and john Morant, as you said before um anything that sticks out to you yeah, why don't we both uh, list off of who we want and who we think for all these uh, quick things here, if that's all right? Sure, so, yeah. Most valuable player, uh, I think it's going to be Nikola Jokic. Uh, excuse my bias, but I think Giannis Antetokounmpo uh, deserves to be in the rank of players who have three MVPs. Uh, he didn't get it last year because of, oh, we don't want to give him one until he won a title. Well, he won a title now, so you can stop with the, we don't want to give him it and the fatigue. I think he's deserved to start getting more awards and being in the conversation of three MVP title uh, type players. Rookie of the year, Scotty Barnes is my take. I think he's the best uh, at doing both. He's not the best offensive player. He's not the best defensive player amongst those three, but I think he's the best at doing both. And I think that's why I would take him. He's also been a good performer too in the Toronto Raptors series so far. Uh, I think it'll likely though be Evan Mobley. Defensive player of the year, uh, already been Marcus Smart. Um, of those three, though, I would have given it to Mikhail Bridges uh, for many of the reasons we discussed in the last episode. Sixth man of the year, I think it's going to be Tyler Hero, and I want it to be Tyler Hero. Uh, and then most improved player, uh, we already kind of mentioned with Darius Garland. Uh, I think it's going to be John Morant, though. And then coach of the year, I think it's going to be Monty Williams. And I personally would have given it to Taylor Jenkins. Yeah, as far as the uh, the rest of the ones on on my end here, I, I think I would take Jokic as at MVP, but I wouldn't be upset with the honest. It's really a coin flip for me. 
Smart, I'm happy he won. I think Bridges should have gotten a nod as well. I think that's fair. I'll take Evan Mobley for Rookie of the Year, although I love those other two guys. Tyler Hero, I'm not a huge fan of, but I would um, put him as Sixth Man of the Year here. Monty will get Coach of the Year, no question, and I think he deserves it. And um, most improved is probably the one that we we have talked about, uh, or is the most up for grabs. Uh, I'd like to see Darius Garland win that as well. Um, I would not be a fan of John Morant winning that, just because I feel like he was already a star. But mm-hmm. um, man, I tell you, watching this series too, John Morant, he if he does not limit some of the hits he's taking, he just goes in like with reckless abandon. He's gonna he's gonna end up like Derrick Rose. He's gonna get injured. He's gonna it's gonna cut him short. Like I. I think he's got like two more years of prime play left if he keeps playing like he's playing. I'm telling wow. you, he's, I every game I've watched two games with him and I'm already like hurting for him because like every commercial break, you know, they they show a slow mo and it's John Morant on the floor. Like it, it's every time. I, I, I tell you, he's got he's got to figure something out. And well, and, he needs to develop that shot because I mean, does. some games it lands, but he is not a very consistent uh, shooter outside of the paint for sure. No, he's so. he's gonna go. He's gonna fast track like speed run a Westbrook career if he he continues like he is right now. Um, but I digress. Let's uh let's go to our picks here, Bert. So we want to do our picks for the playoffs here. Um and we want to put a little bit of a wager on it as well. So are you wanting to pick just the first round right now or do you want to pick the the uh the playoffs as a whole? I think uh it's safe just depending on for whenever we have our next one, hopefully sooner rather than later, uh, we do everything and then we can update as we go. Okay. So let's give our entire brackets. Okay. So um, let's start with the first round then, obviously. And uh, what do you think you're picking for the matchups to be the next round of the West? So for the West, uh, when we have the Warriors playing the Nuggets, I have the Warriors sweeping the Nuggets uh, 4-0. Uh, and then when we have our Suns playing the uh the the sorry uh the new orleans pelicans already the series is one and one uh and i believe that that will be probably as all the new orleans pelicans will get i say that will be a gentleman's sweep of five to one and then our next matchup we have should be uh our timberwolves versus the grizzlies it is currently at one to one or sorry no Yes, it is one-to-one, sorry. Uh, I am going to, uh, shocker here, I don't know if you're going to take this take, but I'm actually going to feel pretty good about uh, your your Timberwolves, and I'm going to take the Timberwolves in seven. Whoa. I'm not even sure. I'm going to take the Timberwolves. I think uh, there's some veteran leadership in the locker room that's really helping out. Uh, We didn't talk about it a whole lot. Pepev, Pepev. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, and then Mavs, Jazz? Uh, so, if you're saying that we're seeing Luka come back sooner rather than later, I'm going to be taking the Mavericks then in six. Okay, Mavs in six. Um, why don't you give me your Eastern Conference um, here as well? All right, so we have our Raptors versus the 76ers. I'm going to take uh, the 76ers in five. Uh, and then for uh, the Nets and Celtics, I'm going to take the Celtics in six. 
And uh, for the Bucks Bulls, I'm going to take the Bucks in five. And for the, uh, sorry, the Atlanta Hawks versus the, uh, the Miami Heat, I am taking the Miami Heat in four. Heat in four. Okay, okay. All right, so I'll run through my first round here too, and then we'll hop to your second round. So how we want to do this, as we talked about, is going to be a one point for each first round correct pick, as in the series winner, an extra point if you get the the number of games right. Mm -hmm. And then for the second round, we'll do two points for every correct pick. And an additional one point again. for Additional one point, three for the third round, and four for the, the finals winner additional Indeed. points each each way for the correct numbers. So I will take in my bracket here. I will take the Suns and I will take them in 6. I will take the Oh, where do I want to go on this one? I will take the Jazz in 7. I will take the Warriors in 4. I will take the Grizzlies in, oh, where's my heart going on this one? My heart wants me to go seven, but I'm going to go six. I'm hedging my bets. For anyone who says I am not a wolf, I'm a Wolves hater for that. I am hedging my bets. I'll be rooting for the Wolves the whole way. Um, Do we want to uh, also clarify for everybody what our wager is that he wants to make sure he's right and why he's going against his fandom? We'll, we'll, we'll save that for the end here. Let's save that for the end. Um, okay. Because I'll, I'll, I, you didn't acknowledge it, but I also recognize the Bulls could take a game. They could, they could. We'll see, we'll see. Um, so the Heat Hawks, I'll take the Heat in five. The Sixers, um, Raptors. Let me just refresh to see what it's looking like in that game. Oh, it's still really, really close, dang. Okay. Also, if if is it fair if that game ends before? Uh, my prediction that I can change it or is that not allowed? Um, I'll do the same pick as you. I'm going to do sixes and five. So we're going to, we're going to split that one. Okay. Um, okay. And then the Bucks bulls, I'll take the bucks in five and the Celtics nets. I will take the Celtics in six. So we're pretty close on a lot. You just took the heat in four. Um, I have the sun's going a little bit longer. I have the jazz. So the big one is, is the jazz and the wolves. Uh, or the Jazz Mavs, Wolves, Grizzlies that we are we are opposite on there. Um, let's go to your second round here, Bird. You're going to be having the Suns play the Mavs. Who do you got in that matchup? I think I'm taking the Suns in uh, six. Suns in six over Mavs. Ooh, actually, hmm, hmm. Yep, yeah, I, I think I'll stick with that. If we're predicting Luka's being back and he's being strong is what my prediction is, I'm sticking with that. All right, Wolves, um, Warriors. Wolves Warriors, I'm seeing uh, Warriors in five. Yeah, if not a four four sweep, but I, I'm being I, generous I with the five. <laughs> you uh, are being generous. We appreciate you. Uh, let's that. go with the let's go with the four. I'm sorry, I, I need to. Take ah, probably we'll go with the, the ah, Warriors in four. Um, okay, what about give me the Heat versus the Sixers? I'm taking the Heat in five. Over the Sixers. Okay. And then the hotly contested 
Bucks Celtics. I mean, if I'm standing behind everything I'm saying, I'm taking the Bucks and I'm taking the Bucks uh, for the meme in six. Bucks in six. Okay. I will take the Suns over the Jazz in five. I will take the Warriors over the Grizzlies also in five. I will take the Sixers over the Heat in seven. And I will take the Celtics over the Bucks in six. You really don't have faith in the Heat then. That seems like a very hot take. You're taking the 76ers over the Heat. Eh, when have I ever had faith in the Heat? What else is new? <laughs> All right, well, Bird. Why don't we why don't we do the both the the uh, the semifinals and the championship here? So you are gonna have the Suns playing the Warriors in the conference finals. Uh, this will be probably the bigger shocker here. I think I've been incredibly impressed with the Warriors uh, getting things together. I could see Warriors taking it in seven. Warriors over Suns in seven. Okay. How about the Heat and the Bucks? Uh, I'm taking uh, the Bucks in six. You Again. stick with the meme. The meme has worked out in the past. That one so, feels more accurate than the previous one, to be honest. That means you have Giannis and the Bucks versus Steph and the Warriors in the championship. Who you got? Hmm. This one's a lot tougher. Uh, I think that the Warriors match up really well against uh, the Bucks. Um, it would require another great performance from Giannis. I think uh, the inconsistencies that we sometimes see from the role players in the Bucks can sometimes be a little iffy. But I think also the Warriors uh, do have some incredible performances right now, but I think they're against a slightly weaker component uh, opponent, to be honest. Um, my takes that where I had thought the Pelicans were the worst team in the league, uh, or not worst team in the league, sorry, the worst team in the playoffs right now, that might be more true for the Nuggets, unfortunately. Um, so I think if that's the case, I'm going to take uh, the Bucks uh, in seven. Bucks in seven. He sticks with the hometown team. I will go Suns over Warriors, and I will have that be seven games. And I will take the Celtics over the Sixers in five. And because of that, because of the rest they will have, because of the two-way game, the Celtics will beat the Suns in a full seven-game series. Wow, you're ta- okay. Wow, so you're you're taking their your Bill Simmons take here. You're going full Bill Simmons in in this here. You know, you think you think the Celtics can go all the way? I think they can. I think they can. I'm not saying that they're the best team necessarily, but I think they're going to have an easier road once they get past the Nets here. Where it's going to get harder, I think, if the Warriors and Suns are going to go to seven. So I just think the Celtics have so much going for them. They have people returning as in, in Time Lord. I'm, uh, I'm optimistic. What I'll give you is I think this is one of the most difficult years to make this bracket for compared to previous years. Um, 
I was really confident in, in making this uh, before the playoffs. Like if we had made this in the play-in tournament, I don't think I would have been as hesitant. But now that we've already had some games in here, I, it's, I'm finding it much more difficult to make this list here. And it's there's definitely some of them that I can easily flip the other way. Um, I'm sticking by my picks, of course. But uh, that Suns-Warriors series is going to be a hard one. And I would not be surprised to see the Suns take it. And even if they do go all the way and beat the Bucks this year, um, their additions are incredible. Uh, if I had to have, have the Warriors play either the Suns or the – or, or the Warriors, I'd honestly probably take the Warriors um, just because I think the experience the Suns have against uh, the Bucks is incredible uh, and valuable. Bird, so. you're going to need to turn on whatever highlight reel you, you subscribe to because Joel Embiid has hit a game-winning three in overtime. He did win 104 to 101-101. 104-101. Philly takes a 3-0 series lead. It is a good time to be a Sixers fan. Embiid is hyped. He's got his Nintendo Sega Genesis looking jersey on. (laughs) It's all happening for Sixers fans right now. So shout out to Sixers fans. Well, Bird, we got to put our money where our mouth is. So what are we doing for our wager here for our our playoff predictions? What we've decided to do is... Uh, the winner gets to decide a jersey that the the loser has to then purchase and wear to the show upon the end of the championship. So for me, I would then select uh, a certain player that Seamus would have to wear from. I'm picking, though I mentioned that I am a Bucks fan, I also mentioned I am a Denver Nuggets fan. And Denver Nuggets being one of his conference rivals i am going to have him wear a particular player on the denver nuggets i haven't decided it when i win who i'll make you wear I, we have to do a playoff team is that correct it can honestly be anybody but i think we should stick with playoff teams let's stick with playoff honest. teams i like that oh there's so many routes to go with you should it be a Kyrie jersey should it be a oh man it could be a steph jersey it could be a Harden jersey that'd be pretty good um or should we this. or or should we make it uh like a person on the like the other end of the the winning team so should it should it be that way so like i make you wear a bucks and I, you make me wear a timberwolves no that- no i think i think we go we go with our heart any player in the playoffs is fair game i'm just really scared to wear a Kyrie jersey i know you might be i know you <laughs> might be don't give me any ideas here bird don't give me any ideas well we will stay tuned to that. We'll do check-ins as we continue with episodes here throughout the playoffs, what our scoreboard looks like. I'll put the fear of God into Bird's heart as he looks at my ever-growing lead as we continue here. Um, ever-growing but, lead? Oh, I'm just saying it's going to be. I'm just I'm getting you prepared. I'm getting you prepared. We'll see. We'll see. I, uh, I feel like some of your uh, hate towards certain Heat players will definitely be your downfall. Has blinded me? Blinded yes. me to the truth. Mm-hmm. We'll see. We will see. Only time will tell. Only time will tell. Well, that brings us to the end of another podcast. I'm just excited. Bird. Playoff basketball is back. These these guys, I think you're going to see a lot of people laying it on the line this year. I think there's a lot of people that are really trying to prove something, and that just makes for good TV. Oh, for sure. I mean, I'm personally a little frustrated, of course, with 
uh, the way some of the injuries have played out, I guess, uh, particularly with my Denver Nuggets team. But I think I'm starting to understand what it was like for the Trailblazers fans for all those years. So, yeah. Shout out to the similar. Trailblazer fans. You know, they don't, they don't get enough shout outs. Shout out to them. They've had some tough times. <laughs> really, really have. Um, well, Bird, until next time, um, it's been a pleasure. And uh, to everyone out there, enjoy the games and uh, we'll catch you in a little bit. Take it easy, everyone. Have a good one. Bye.